This is Melissa, and it is the 17th of December, 2023. And I hope that everybody is doing well. I survived the skin graft that I had on Monday evening. Fortunately, I had already recorded with Neil Foster because that was a lot harder than I thought it would be, more of a trauma. Kind of had to take it easy this week. I spoke today, for those of you who follow the real history, with my Aunt Mary, who had a bad fall about a week and a half ago. And I was talking to Aunt Betty, who told me that she was not doing that great. I talked to her son a couple of days ago, and I think he minimized it a little bit. So I just called myself to get the scoop. And she was upbeat because she's Mary and she likes her doctor and her nurse and she had had the same kind of surgery on her nose that I just had and her wound was not as deep and so she had escaped the skin graft but since she had done that before she knew what she was would be getting into and they told her that with these falls she hit herself very badly on both of her arms and both of her knees and lost a lot of flesh in the fall. And fortunately, she didn't break anything. And they said skin graft. And she said, oh, at my age, 96 years old, I really don't want to do that if that can be avoided. So she's seeing a doctor every three days and they are taking care of all of her wounds. And she gave me good aunt advice. She said, drink lots of water and get plenty of rest because you come first. You have to take care of yourself. So that's Aunt Mary's wisdom. The other update is my brother and I fought the property taxes and we did get a a small reduction. So instead of the property taxes being quadrupled, it's closer to about triple now. So we're a little closer to 8,000 than we were closer to 10,000 a month ago. But I still have to come up with a lot of money between now and January. So I'm hoping that you like what I'm doing and you will support me. Speaking of real history, the one that I just did with Neil Foster that got pulled from at least one place. So always keep an eye. I haven't even had time to get it up on the website yet, but keep an eye out for the other places where you'll see things, and I'll try not to lag so far behind in getting the website itself updated. Um, There goes Aunt Mary's advice of putting myself first and taking it easy. (laughs) Ah, well, I have my priorities. So I wanted to do this quick introduction today, and quick, uh, as we know now, I I guess I just can't be quick when I'm making an introduction, but I hadn't really been keeping up with the news, and I remembered one of the go-to sites for Alan was the Daily Mail, a UK kind of a tabloid-style newspaper. It's a very trashy paper, but he looked at it pretty well nearly daily, and I, I think... I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but he he said, you know, the way that they present it, he mentioned this a lot. You've got the kind of schizoid way of having supposedly serious news on the left, the main part of the paper, and then you've got 
um, women in bikinis and barely dressed on the right side. And it's by design to keep you not focused on what is important. But he went to the Daily Mail because he said that it gave the best example of the way in which news is presented, even whether it's on the internet or a paper paper newspaper or your television news, it's the kind of schizophrenic way in which the news is presented. And he always wanted to check in and see that. I I don't look at the Daily Mail very often at all. Um, now that Alan is gone, it just hasn't been one of my go-to sites, but I decided to go there today and just see what was going on. And one of the things that I noticed, I, I clicked on politics, and it always wanted to boot me back over to showbiz or female, you know, the more gossipy stuff. So I'd click on one thing, and then without actively selecting showbiz, I would somehow end up there. But the first thing that I noticed is this headline, and I'll just, I think I'll primarily just share a few headlines and then link to them, and you can follow up. You'll get where I'm going with this. The first one that I selected is Zelensky arrives on Capitol Hill to save 61 billion American aid package. Ukrainian leader meets Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell as House Republicans insist they want more for the border before they approve more cash to Kiev. The Ukrainian president came to the Capitol before he meets with President Biden. Republicans say they won't back support unless Democrats give on the border. Uh, He spoke of guerrilla warfare if it degraded this package. So the package that is being considered is to provide Ukraine with $61 billion worth of aid. And the Republicans are saying they want some money spent on the southern border between Mexico and the U.S. The next headline that I looked at, Fury on the Streets of Tel Aviv over IDF shooting of Israeli hostages. Families of civilians kidnapped by Hamas stage demo after army admitted killing three it mistook for terrorists in Gaza fighting. The IDF today said it had shot three Israeli hostages being held in the Gaza Strip. Protests grow in Tel Aviv, Israel, amid cries to ensure the safe return of hostages. Now, the interesting thing about this was just trying to figure out when exactly this happened. It said today, I'm actually recording this, reading this on Friday night, so that's the 15th of December. Did that happen today? You know, the the old who, what, where, when, you won't even get in supposedly highbrow papers like the New York Times or the Washington Post. So I have to assume, because I did read the whole article, that the IDF shot these three Israeli hostages accidentally today, 
the 15th of December. Demonstrators marched in Israel this evening to share their anguish and fury at the accidental killing of three civilian hostages shot dead by the IDF. Scenes from Tel Aviv showed crowds of people, many themselves the families of people kidnapped by Hamas, taking to the streets with banners to mourn and call for the return of Israelis trapped in Gaza. It goes on to tell you about who the victims were. Then in the Daily Mail's quest to boot me off someplace I didn't want to go, one of the next things that just seemed to pop up was from the travel section, where the super rich really go on holiday. Secret online forum for ultra-luxe travelers reveals where they like to check in, from jaw-dropping jungle villas to a hotel with a director of beach. So I said, no, I don't want to be in the travel section, I don't want to be in entertainment, and I popped back to politics, and I saw this. Florida School Board to Demand Moms for Liberty co-founder Bridget Ziegler resign after husband's sexual assault investigation and revelations about their three-way relationship with another woman. Okay, I thought this was worth a closer look. I'll try to recap it very quickly. This is a woman who is on the Sarasota County School Board. She has been involved in the campaign to get offensive books out of libraries, the, you know, LGBTQ books, that type of thing, transgender. Also, she has been part of the campaign uh, against Disney. And a famous slogan of this campaign is don't say gay and don't say gay means that they don't want their children subjected to LGBTQ language books etc etc in the classroom so that is Bridget Ziegler on the Sarasota County School Board and co-founder in 2021 of something called Moms for Liberty Moms for Liberty is an American conservative political organization that advocates against school curricula that mention LGBT rights, race and ethnicity, critical race theory, and discrimination. Multiple chapters have also campaigned to ban books that address gender and sexuality from school libraries. They began in January 2021 against things like mask and vaccine mandates, and it says that it's very influential within the Republican Party and that the Southern Poverty Law Center in 2023 termed Moms for Liberty a far-right extremist organization. So they were co-founded at the beginning of January 2021. They now have about 120,000 members. Within just a few months, they shot up to about 70,000 members, and then they've grown a little bit more slowly, so they're about 120,000 members. As of July 2023, the organization has 285 chapters in 45 states. So that is Bridget Ziegler.
Now, Bridget Ziegler's husband is Christian. That is his first name. Christian Ziegler. And Christian Ziegler is the head of the Florida Republican Party. So he's the leader. He's the top guy in the state Republican Party. That's the husband. Well, what has happened? What has happened to Bridget and Christian Ziegler? Christian Ziegler was accused of raping a woman. And his lawyers say he's going to be exonerated. This was consensual sex, etc., etc. So I just keep digging in a little bit more to find out what I can about it. And here it is. This is from about a week ago. Shocking sex scandal is a horrible look for Sarasota's phony, don't say gay, hypocrites. So here they are. They're the couple for family values. And what is alleged to have happened is that a woman that the Zieglers were friends with and a woman, that same woman that they were really good friends with, they had a consensual sexual relationship at least once sometime last year. Now, I think there was a text or an email in which this couple, Christian and Bridget, arranged with their friend that on a certain day in October of this year, they were going to meet and have sex. And Bridget had something that came up and she could not be there and so the Christian showed up and had sex with this woman, which he filmed on his phone and then deleted. However, it's not deleted, deleted because it was up on the cloud and the police now have that sex tape. The woman then claimed that she had been raped by him and a, a Yet another friend of the woman who was claiming rape said that she, she called 911 because she was concerned that the woman was suicidal now. So this sordid story is from these conservatives. The co-founder of Moms for Liberty, a woman who's been active on the Sarasota School Board, you see pictures of her shaking hands with Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. They're up there. And her husband, the head of the Republican Party. Now, there are calls for him to step down, including the Governor DeSantis is saying step down. But so far, he hasn't stepped down. He said he will be exonerated. They've been turned into a laughing stock. And I want you to, if you will, there is a uh, USA Today has this story and they have some pictures. And if you'll just scroll through these still pictures of this woman, Bridget Ziegler, I don't know her, but she definitely appears to be a type. And I'll let you come to your own conclusions. Alan in this talk talks about psychopathy. Uh, so. This is interesting, but she's part of this don't say gay campaign, 
And in the pictures that you see here on this story are people who are calling for her to step down from the school board. They're calling for her resignation. This just happened Tuesday evening, and I... They, it says the school board approved a symbolic resolution calling for Ziegler to resign. I don't see that she has resigned yet. So her thing is, don't say gay, and there are all the posters there in the crowd that say, don't say three-way. So this couple has made a laughing stock of so-called conservative values. In this redux that is going up from June 3, 2010, a talk that Alan gave on Republic Broadcasting Network. Here is the poem. That's your opinion. Is that a fact? Social influencing decides how you act. Seldom do we consider our conditioning, diminishing freedoms in system imprisoning, accepting new normals, old normals cowed by cognitive dissonance, Follow the crowd, even the stubborn who think they won't budge by social influencing succumb to the nudge. The significant other programming updated will work on the lesser till both loved and hated. Planned social conditioning is all technique. Create dissonance, give solution they'll seek. Avoiding discomfort and to be accepted, they'll adapt to opinions the master expected to avoid the pain and outcast sensation, prepared as surf for World Federation. In this talk, Alan mentions Star Suckers, and this is a documentary that's well worth seeing um, a, in a listener-made video called Star Suckers. This was from the Experiments series that went up on the channels and the websites on August 29 of this year. You will hear clips of Alan talking about Star Suckers, and you'll find the link there for the documentary. And one of the things that is so interesting about Star Suckers is to see in motion, in practice, how the cult of personality, the cult of celebrity works, and how people worship those who are put out there as stars and those that they have been trained to think are better, more glamorous than them, and they have the money to go along with that. And so what you see is personality commodified. And the, this all got me thinking because things just kind of run together in a soup in my mind about the real history that I just recorded with Neil Foster, and we were talking about trans insanity, the, the insanity of the transgender agenda. And I mentioned someone whose name I could not recall in the moment that I was talking with Neil, and I did include a link, and I also did put a visual in there. It's uh, the woman is a psychologist, and her name is Amy E. Souza. And I thought she had put out some good work. And there was, there's a couple of other people who I've listened to talk about the transgender insanity. One of them, I, I'm not sure I'm saying her last name correctly, but Jennifer Bilek. Uh, and then 
one that I just stumbled across today, actually, is a feminist by the name of Genevieve Gluck. And I think one of the videos that I considered putting up with The Real History, I thought twice and decided against it. I, f I figured you can look at her work and make your own decision, but that particular video, even though it did a good, clear explanation of why the gender dysphoria diagnosis is misleading, a disservice, wrong, etc., etc. What you have with these psychologists and these women who are speaking out, what I'm seeing is that a big pocket of resistance against the trans agenda is coming from feminists. And I, I, I don't want to say it as simplistically as I have a problem with feminists, but it boils down a lot of these arguments against the trans and where they're going with this boils down to the commodification of women. And so we're in a place then where women are pitted against men. And Alan talks about the male-female dynamic in this talk. And I, you know, thinking about the commodification of women and what the danger of feminism is the whole victimization trap. Women are commodified. They do things, you know, their appearance is commodified. They make choices. They sell their bodies. They make, uh, they, they get into making pornography, et cetera, et cetera, because they are commodified. So you blame the man, right? If nobody's buying, then nobody's selling. See, if the men didn't buy the commodified woman, the woman wouldn't have to sell. Or you can blame the woman. If nobody was selling, then nobody would be buying. But the beauty of where Alan took this after a lifetime of research is let's not have it be men against women or this group against that group. If he was going to make a villain, the villain would be the money system, the con of money. And so often he took us back. He took us back to the con of money. I can't let women off scot-free. I look and I look at popular culture and I see, oh, so-and-so is on her tour right now and she's now worth a billion dollars. And so-and-so over here is on her tour and, and, you know, is she lagging behind? She's worth 800 million. But what these women are selling is sex and a lifestyle. So it is a form of prostitution. Are they selling it? Did some producer, somebody in Hollywood or somebody in New York, somebody in London has created this package? They've packaged this star. They've made, they've played on the cult of celebrity. 
But the woman who is doing this, who is supposedly worth a billion dollars or 800 million or whatever, they're not victims. They are co-creators, if you will, in their own commodification. And so generations of women are raised wanting to commodify themselves. Why? Because they like the lifestyle that goes along with the commodification. And I think that that is something that women have to look at on an individual basis. Sometimes when I can't sleep, I'll watch a little bit of an old movie. And not too long ago, I was watching the first part of Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window from 1954 with Grace Kelly and Jimmy Stewart. And in Grace Kelly's first scene, she came in in her fabulous dress and he, Jimmy Stewart commented on it and said, you know, basically asking her how much that cost. And she said, oh, 1100 And he said, who buys those, tax collectors? And she laughed and said, we sell a dozen a day in this price range. Well, $1,100 in 1954 is a little over 12000 in today's money. Now, Grace Kelly in real life went on to marry a prince. How fabulous for her. But what that movie is selling, what she is selling, is a lifestyle. So she has played along with the commodification of a woman herself, and she's selling this fabulous lifestyle that few can attain. But the trouble with human nature, and again, Alan talks about this in clear, easy-to-understand language, the main thing that our masters know is our nature. They have studied us and studied us. They know what we want, what lengths that we will go to to get what we want. And so, yeah, there there is an, an, an awful lot that is horrifying about the trans agenda. But I can't get on board with a purely feminist take on the situation. Women have to take responsibility for their choices and their desires and how they navigate a system that is run on the con of money. And if they like the star sucker lifestyle, then they're part of the problem. Getting back to the Daily Mail, I saw that a Russian oligarch was giving Tom Cruise advice. Tom Cruise better keep his wallet wide open. My ex-wife spent 12 million pounds on clothes and handbags during our 11-year marriage. Oligarch's warning to the Hollywood star, 61 years old. 
that's Tom, as he strikes up a romance with glamorous 36-year-old Russian socialite. Now, it's all, you know, Hollywood gossip and trivia, but what do I see when I look at this woman? Are we talking about a wife? When you make these kinds of choices and you have this kind of greed for a lifestyle, are you a wife and a mother or are you a prostitute? That is a question that anyone in today's society has to ask themselves as we navigate the money system that has been given to us. And part of the double think or the cognitive dissonance that we have as we're making our way through it is that some parts of it are okay, right? It's, we can sit back and breathe and, and, you know, go to our concerts or eat at our restaurants or what, or do whatever we want to do and have our righteous indignation about the trans agenda or whatever. We can feel good because Moms for Liberty is doing, they've, they've picked up the mantle. They're, they're fighting this. Well, nobody fights this except you and me as individuals. We take a stand. We all have our time to say no. We all have our chance to say, I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm going to make different choices in my life. Because if you sit back and think that someone shares your conservative values, then you may find that you've put your hopes in a psychopathic couple who have threesomes, right? I hope that you enjoy this talk from Alan and that you have a good week and take good care of yourselves and always be looking at the man or the woman in the mirror. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Thursday the 3rd of June 2010. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites. Bookmark all the other sites I've got there because you'll get trouble with the com once in a while. And while you're at it, remember, go into the items I have for sale. There's very few of them, actually, but that helps me trickle along. I'd do a lot more if I wasn't doing the show and if I had some spare time to kick around. Now, to order the things I have for sale, remember, you can use a personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can use an international postal money order from your post office. Cash is okay. And as I say, I don't accept money from advertisers, and that's why I don't have them on. And if I did, I'd be very uh, sitting pretty right now in pretty lucrative business. But this isn't a business. It's about getting information out. Well, we have the Internet. It's, it's going down slowly, obviously, but... Uh, and time's running out as you pass laws all the time. I'll be talking about some of that tonight, in fact. But uh, in the meantime, let's try and get out some kind of uh, semblance of real information that matters to us and not just the rehashed stuff that the media feeds us. Over this last few days, I've talked about psychopaths. I like to talk about psychopaths because if you don't understand that we're run by psychopaths, you'll never understand anything. 
And there are different levels of them in society. They're recruited into uh, different authority positions because they'll do whatever they're told by those who pay them very well. And they also have a, a form of creative psychopathy, more intelligent ones who work behind the scenes and really run the world. Not the politicians. The politicians are really closer to actors and they're definitely psychopathic because they'll, they'll do whatever they're told to do and pass whatever laws they're told to pass. But obviously, when you see the shenanigans they get up to, you know they're not running the world. You know they can't do that. They're too busy playing golf and doing photo ops and that kind of underhand table deals and kickbacks and stuff like that. That breaks out all the time in the newspapers over your whole lifetime. Therefore, they're managed as actors, as front people. They're personalities. I talked about the cult of celebrity before. And we're trained in this society to worship celebrities. They, so they create personas for them. They, they use the same machinery they do to create the pop star, the rock star, or the movie star to give them a fake image which sells to the public and put lots of money up to sell it over through public relations companies and firms, Madison Avenue. The advisors behind them are generally a bit more savvy as to what the, the, their part in the agenda is. And the whole thing is a punch and judy show for the public to believe is real. So we'll touch on that tonight. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, just touching, really. You can only touch lightly on things in an hour, but touching on what government really is, government and the types who go into government. I've mentioned it so many times before. The psychopathic types go to, towards government. They, they gravitate towards it. Uh, it's a magnet to them. Uh, psychopaths like power. They like status. And they like to get their hands in a big kitty. Because they all know. They all know. They're very streetwise. They know that uh, there's lots of lobbyists and cash in the real world changes hands all the time. I mentioned last night where the ex-premier or Prime Minister of Canada, Brian Mulroney, has now been declared that he was on the take after all. And he actually was accused of that a few years back. He sued the Canadian government. It was after he left politics and went off to be, I think, the assistant director of, uh, or CEO of Barrick Gold Corporation, something like that. He got a lot of awards for being a Prime Minister and ramming NAFTA through. Anyway, he, he apparently did take three cash payments, uh, and I mean cash, like big bundles, and uh, so they found this out. But, but before they actually knew that, he was accused of it. They didn't have the evidence at the time. And he sued the Canadian government and got uh, $2.5 million or something around that sum. Now they found out he actually did take cash after all. So they're going to have a discussion about it in the old boys club. And that will come to nothing, of course, because, you see, the reputation uh, is far more important to maintain confidence in the government. That's what they always say to each other, you see. We've got to maintain confidence of the people, so it's better if we just hush all of this stuff up. But that's nothing, really. That's commonplace. Commonplace. Look at the money uh, that Tony Blair has raked in uh, through all his extremely hard work, you know, obviously, since leaving uh, Parliament in Britain. Uh, it's been exposed, and I've read it in the air here, all the millions of pounds that he's raked in. These are rewards. That's how they reward them. Some of them get too greedy and want the cash while they're there, and they get caught, and a little scandal breaks, and then it's hushed over again to, to you know, maintain public confidence in the government. 
But it's a show for the public. And I've always said this, that um, the guys who seem to be at the top are really just the actors. The ones behind them, behind the scenes, and often appointed, generally appointed, in fact, uh, as advisors, are more in on what the real game plan is, what their function is at that time. And I've always maintained, too, that um, the guys are selected for the, the head offices years in advance. There's probably a waiting list. They can probably look at a calendar and know when they're getting put in here as a, the prime minister or president or the head of the opposition. It's literally a show for the public. Because, see, there's only one business in the world, and, and we are it. We're all the business. Everything else takes from you and prints up the cash that you use to work and that they take back off you to hire other people to make the big machinery that keeps an eye on you and monitors you and stuff like that. It's a very cleverly designed business. But they do upgrade it once in a while. And the old politicians used to be much like Mussolini. If you ever see Mussolini in the old clips, you see the hand waving and the gestures and the chin stuck out there and there's pauses and stuff like that. Very theatrical uh, oratory was done for the public because they didn't have television. They just had a guy on a balcony doing a lot of yelling. And so it had to be, had to be theatrical and impress the people. So they used balconies very often, uh, always above the crowd because it's an altar. And we have this primeval idea of anybody risen above you is better than you. Uh, that's why you have altars and that's why you have people up on podiums and stages and things like that. And it works very well for, for the entertainment industry today and shows and stuff like that. But people go crazy when you see someone up there on the altar. So we're, we're all managed by psychology. And nothing on this planet, no creature on this planet has been so studied as us, as we have, for thousands of years. And even in ancient times, priests would teach the guys they were putting in as the head, the pharaohs in Egypt, for instance, they'd actually teach them the art of controlling and having power and maintaining it over the public. And the pharaohs had to pass that knowledge on to their sons as well. Their techniques, and these, so these, this knowledge is known as kept, and I'm certain, I'm certain it's been kept in archives down through the centuries, in fact. And there are archives that the public are not allowed to even know exist. And professors have told me, and I, about this too, from different countries, that there's archives. And maybe one professor in 80 or 90 ever gets permission to enter one where the real information is. Now, what is real power on the planet? And you'll think, well, nuclear energy, this, that. No, the power is the, the, the understanding of human nature. You look at psychology today and you get these little primers for the ordinary people who generally give up because it seems so boring. It's meant to be boring at that level. So that you do give up. You have to go way above that to look at what they're, they're studying in the behavioral sciences. There are ongoing tests done all the time, all the time in every country, and repeated over and over to make sure they're right, they've got their facts right. Sometimes they don't have to know even why it works, a technique of, of modifying behavior in vast amounts of people. They've got lots and lots of theories, but as long as it works, that's the main thing. 
And they, they had all these uh, techniques to alter us, change our ways, our opinions that you were seldom ever aware of. Most people never know what's happening to them. And that ties in with even what uh, Aldous Huxley said in, the, in, in, the, in his Brave New World Revisited lectures that he gave around some of the top universities on the planet. He said that he didn't see any reason why a scientific dictatorship couldn't last forever. It would have no opposition. It would never be overthrown. And people immediately thought of, oh, they'll have weaponry. Well, yeah, they'll have weaponry and all that kind of stuff, absolutely. Stuff that you'll never even hear of till they use it, if they have to. But he was talking primarily about the understanding of human nature. In other words, they already had it perfected the techniques of perfection, of manipulation of the minds of everyone, whole cultures, whole nations, whole parts of the globe. And they'd already tried it out and altered the behavior of people without their knowledge. So if if you don't know that you're being altered psychologically, if you don't know that your opinions are being manufactured for you by experts and put over through various means of media, and entertainment, then you have nothing to rebel against. You don't know how to rebel, in fact, because you, th- you think that you've come to these conclusions by yourself, these changes, and even maybe even modified your own behavior and your, your impressions on things, and even how you talk to other people and how you, you now see things differently in certain topics. And it's all done from people at the top, behind the scenes, who make sure that via the media and television especially, is very important, and by using what you think of as celebrities, very important people, VIPs, you will adapt to what they're saying. You're trained to follow the experts and celebrities. But why do you think they pick celebrities for political purposes? Uh, why not pick your plumber or your carpenter or, or even your street cleaner if you have one? Because they would have no, no, no more and be no more of an expert in politics than, than anyone else. It's because the public are already trained to adore them and worship them and maybe even admire them. And therefore they emulate them because peer pressure uh, as part of it, uh, if they can influence those around you first, then they will turn, turn, turn on you until you share the same opinions, or they won't accept you in company. The first thing they do is create what they call cognitive dissonance. It's an interesting term because it's so, so easy to say if you don't stammer over it. And even Wikipedia's got a little bit of it. Again, it's this kind of sixth grade level. I'll mention sixth grade later because there's a a congressman in the U.S. who wants us to be trained uh, through the media on global warming at a sixth grade level. He said because that's that's how we think and speak amongst ourselves at the bottom. And it says here, it says an uncomfortable feeling caused by holding two contradictory ideas simultaneously. Orwell touched on that. He called it kind of double think in a different manner, though. You see, this ties in with altering your opinions on things. This is the most studied part of social psychology, 
for those who want to manipulate uh, massive groups of people or use it through marketing to alter your behavior or make you purchase or whatever. And in other words, they know that cognitive dissonance is an uncomfortable feeling caused by holding two contradictory ideas simultaneously. Therefore, you see, prior to that, you had one idea that you were comfortable with, and that was a, that's the whole problem. You were comfortable with it. If you thought, for instance, well, this is my country, and this is how I see my country, and I'm happy with it. It seems orderly. The people are... They know how to get along with each other. They're sociable towards each other. They know the rules. Well, if you if you are worked on by those in control, they will bring out things about your culture by using specific incidents, generally of a nasty nature, that happen once in a while in your culture, blow it out of proportion through massive campaigns, and often through talk show hosts on television. The, the ones that they love to worship, you know, that gives them free presents all the time. You know the type I mean? And then they guide you into a new idea, and you end up with cognitive dissonance towards change. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, going through some of the techniques that control society, the scientific sort of dictatorship that Aldous Huxley touched upon. He didn't go into in too much detail as to their techniques, but he was well aware of them because they were perfectly understood in his day and long before him too by a particular class. And knowledge is power, therefore they didn't share it with the public, especially the victims. After all, they don't want you to be wary. They want you to modify your behavior to suit them better for the world that they plan to bring in. And... Television, as I say, is the greatest thing that was ever invented. I mean, it became a mandate in Britain that everyone must get a television set, and they're pushing that back as early, I think, as the 50s, 1950s. Other countries followed suit, and even China made it a mandate that everyone must have a TV. And, you, well, why would government care if you're having fun or getting entertained? Well, it's not entertainment, no. It's the most important brainwashing tool there is. Because if someone in authority, you see, uh, says something to you, especially if you're taught through PR, public relations, like acting, um, something very important, you'll tend to believe them. Or someone is presented as an expert on something, uh, you tend to believe them. You're trained that way from a very young age by the system itself. And your parents don't know to warn you, so you're wide open to it. And we tend to be born into to the system that's already changed from the last stage of the last system. And we think it's normal. No one tells you that everything that you're thinking today or doing or even in morality is completely different than it was a few years back. So you take to it like a duck to water and your peer group do as well. And you're accepted by our peer group. And it's a very simple technique to manipulate people as we all move along the same road to, to the end path that we're all guided down. I think Jacks E. Lull touched on that in one of his books as well. He's very good at really obsessionally going over the minutest detail of certain techniques of control and law and how we're trained to see law. And I mean trained to see it by those who own your country. And... Um, he 
he mentioned inconsistencies, of course, if you stopped and thought about things for yourself, which very few folk do, and showed you some of the fallacies of, of government in itself and the, the law system. As I've said before, we take everything for granted. We're born into a system. It's natural. It's here. That's, it has to be natural because it's simply here, and that's as far as we think about it. And if you're robbed on the street with a guy uh, who's got a gun, uh, it's called robbery. And you'll call it, you'll see, you'll see you've been mugged. And you're trained that a guy with a, a certain uniform on uh, and, a, a, and a gun can stop your car and maybe even confiscate it from you. Um, then that's the law. Or if someone says, um, you got to give us protection money or we burn down your store, um, that's the racket, you see. That's an extortion racket for protection, the protection racket. Or if uh, government comes along and says, you know, we want X amount of taxes from you for occupying this this space, you know, all you do really is have four walls containing air. I mean, that's a space, and they measure it and all that, and they tax you on it. And and you you pay it up because it's called taxes, and it's called legal. But it's, it's really the same thing, isn't it? And I think there's even a, a video out there about the biggest gang, and it was about the police force in the USA. So things really come down in the world to gangs, and those who profit most of the system by having their gang and powerful gangs. The most powerful get the most profits. And that's how the world really does work. But however, even, say, a mafia, for instance, needs uh, enough victims in an area. That's why they would divide up cities amongst themselves. They used to fight each other, the gang mobs, uh, for, for, for their territory. Because what they really meant was, how many millions of people are in this city? We, we want to control access to all these people. They're ours. They're, they're their victims, in other words. That's what they lived off of. We didn't call them government. We called them mobs. And the whole idea was based on protection. And that's what government is, uh, is used on through the ages for. We have to protect you from those guys over there. Same thing, you see. But it's all, it's all in how you're trained to see things. But when they want to change your behavior to make you more compliant or even more subservient or to put out more effort so they can collect more from you because, you see, they take the money from you through taxations and different means and governments. That's, I mean, you're the only producer there is. And they use it to hire other workers to make things for them or to work for them, including the police, to maintain their power over you and to monitor you through the equipment which you purchase so that they know what you're up to every minute of the day and what your mail's all about and what you watch and what you do. And they even do studies on you personally. They have I've, I've given you the article before where the Pentagon has an identical you in a virtual reality and it's updated daily according to what you do to find out the patterns of your behavior so that you're predictable. But let's get back to cognitive dissonance. Now, remember the first part that's said uh, is that it really is an uncomfortable feeling. And then it goes on to experience guilt or anger, frustration or embarrassment. And I'll tell you how to use that after this break. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about techniques which are used in us all the time, daily. They're used in school, they're used, they're used on television, radio, they're used on magazines, newspapers, and it's meant to alter your behavior along predetermined paths. And most folk all alter pretty well at the same time. Those who don't and who maybe think a little bit more deeply and ask the questions uh, can be shunned by their peer group for holding uh, contrary opinions or old-fashioned, as I like to say, as though an opinion or, or a moral behavior is somehow old-fashioned. For That's an example. No one quite, most folk will adapt into new behaviors without question because they all adapt at the same time. So anyway, cognitive dissonance is a real keystone to all of the behavior modification because if it creates a form of uncomfortable feeling in the people who, who have it, holding two contradictory ideas simultaneously, uh, they'll try to modify and get rid of the uncomfortable feeling and simply adapt into what's now acceptable, whatever it happens to be, whatever it happens to be. And we take the easy way. Now, I've touched on Sunstein and others, the Harvard people who have been into this for an awful long time, and who advise governments. Uh, uh, they're still doing it today with all the global warming and various techniques of getting to you and creating your opinions for you in so many different ways. But they use, what they're using is cognitive dissonance, really, uh, to change your behavior and to get to accept what they want you to accept including the age of austerity that you're going to be trained to into very, very shortly. Because we like to be nudged into the, the easy route. And he talked about that himself. I read some of his articles last week or so on the air here. And how they're using the computer, for instance, to guide you into reading what you should be reading. And you've all seen these things. Most people who see this uh, also look at so-and-so. And you're being nudged, you see, into what's politically correct. And what's politically correct is also full of little landmines of cognitive dissonance minds, I should call them, set there to make you feel uncomfortable about yourself because you might hold different opinions. And you'll do anything to get rid of that uncomfortable feeling and you'll like to be persuaded into the new way, you see. It's very simple psychology. Now, as I say, um, dissonance might be experienced as guilt, and that's very, very important because the guilt technique was used for, oh, 30 years pretty well. When they decided at the end of World War II, and even during World War II, that the cause of all the problems in the world was the male population. You see, males tend to, to be old-fashioned, They'll stick to whatever system they're born into, uh, including all, all of its values and its customs, etc. And they don't like being moved from where they stand. Across the world, that's generally what happens. You'll see people invade countries, and it's the guys that stand up and fight. They, they fight because they love the land generally they're born on. That's a natural thing. And they fight to protect their own, and they fight too to protect their wives and families in the days that they had them. 
But that had to be destroyed because the UN had decided a long time ago and those who created the United Nations that they'd have to bypass the males altogether, emasculate them. And I've given a lot of talks about that before uh, because they wouldn't budge. They'd have problems with them. And it's far easier, as Hitler said, to promise, to bring in an age of fear and bypass the husband's authority by going, going over his head and appealing. He said we'll bring socialism in by appealing to the, the woman or the wife, he said, because she's in charge of the family. And we'll promise her food and protection, and she'll come to us. The child must follow and then must follow the man. When they use cognitive dissonance, they use it primarily, and they have been using it for primarily on the male population, and a lot of them today don't know what they are anymore or what their function is or even if they have a function. This is also noticeable in the ex-Soviet countries where they've had documentaries on television where the, the women are all looking for guys outside their own country, thousands of them, because they, they were trained through school that their men were the cause of all the problems. And they were no good. And they still want men, but they want other kinds of men, a different image of a man than, than what they were trained to see how they view their own people. So you can look at the, the state of the world today. Now, in the Western world, they also started in the 70s to plan and finance using tax money single parent families because they said that that will be the way of the future and architects were trained then to start designing single parent families you know a woman and maybe one or two children and that's what they were designed for before they even had it all the whole family system wrecked they knew they were going to wreck it or remake it and now we have as I say mark four or five uh, family uh, today this was all planned by world planners and they knew by the time they'd finished it all, the men would be kind of subservient because they actually say that in their own writings, uh, that the men will be also be changed by their significant others. So if they do have a mate or if they want one, they'd have to be subservient to the new feminist view. And that has been awfully successful as well. And therefore, once you get a country to that stage, anything can be done with that country because no one will stand up for anything. There'd be no values left for you to stand up for. And government would be the one that even the single mothers would demand more and more from. They were the new father. The, the governments became the new fathers. I've seen it even in Canada, from uh, going from a stage of should the taxpayers fund um, child care for other women who are single. And it went from that in no time to it was in force, just ran through. And a couple of years later, there was a child care strike and the women were in the streets with placards demanding the government do something, as they would at one time have demanded that their husbands would have done something if they were short of work or something like that. So everyone gets changed and it doesn't seem to have an impact as long as it all changed together. And then, of course, you have reinforcements that are added to that as well along the way. Um, once you've, you've picked your topic of, of blame, 
because you give blame, you direct the blame, you see, and you reinforce it with lots of talk shows from, uh, in, in the U.S. they had Donahue. Who, people never realized that within an hour, people could, could watch a show on whatever topic they picked, and within the end of an hour, their opinions have been completely reversed through emotive techniques and staged events and planned. Every question, every answer was planned. At the end of the show, the longest part of the show was all the, 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 the tributes at the end to all the different participants and multi-producers that they had in specialized departments that pre-worked all this show out in advance to leave you with either a tear in your eye at the end or are very, very angry about something that had happened. Marketing techniques uh, perfected with the use of behaviorists and psychology. And as I say today, there's nothing much to stand in its way because now they want to also bring down the populations and that they're getting to be successful with that. Um, they want us to really, like George Orwell's Animal Farm, work for nothing eventually. Uh, that is a goal, that you'll work for the state. And you'll be proud to work for the state. Uh, after a period of so-called austerity, I'm sure they'll keep money around for in some form for a while, but eventually you're going to a stage of rationing. And since they can, we've already accepted the fact you're given your social insurance number, your SIN number, they love these little terms and they pick them very well, they can do the same thing and give you a ration card at birth and you'll get your, your state rations for everything that you will need as you go through life and work for the this, this, this state or the world system. Remember the articles I've read in the past to do with the Royal Institute of International Affairs. I've read stuff recently from them, in fact, and they still have never changed their mandate that, that eventually people will work for the state. That will be your purpose, is working for the state. That also implies there will be a hierarchy who will live better than you because they can't live in the state of your state or the state you'll be in, believe you me. And we also accept that as human beings, it's part of our nature, that the leader somehow should live better than you. And we're being trained along that road right now. The United Nations Department of Agriculture said years ago that they would bring in a, they would bring in a stage of rationing of food across the world and that all the world's food supply would go through them. They would then issue it to the different regions they'd set up and that, that would encourage those member states to reduce their population. How they did it was their own problem. And they will use the same techniques they've used for China of social approval and disapproval. And yes, every, every culture, every people can be made, be made to behave in the same way with these techniques. They work very, very well and mobs will gather and mobs will be angry and they will say you're taking food out of our mouths by having an extra child and you will drag off the women to the abortion clinics. Don't think for an instant it can't be done to you. I mentioned a documentary. It was made by the BBC the other day. Everyone should try and get a hold of it. It's called Star Suckers. And it's about the cult of celebrities and how they use celebrities to guide us. 
you don't think of politicians as being really celebrities. We seem to separate them in our minds into a different category, but they're created with the same techniques that they create celebrities. And, and they show you in this documentary how and why it works with us. It also shows you how most of the media articles that you read today are staged. They actually show you and talk to professionals in the trade of creating news. They even show you the protesters outside of Miss United Kingdom, you know, the, the beauty pageant thing, and how she parades out there, and there's all these women there, and they show that newspaper articles there of the women protesting uh, uh, the feminists. And then they talk to the guy that arranged it. He arranged both sides, including purchasing and hiring these women to protest. That's how they create news. And people would get up and hot and bothered. That becomes their topic of conversation. Or did you see those women who were complaining about so-and-so and they call them you know, the usual stuff, you know. It's all staged. And the, the guy who staged it tells you. And that's the same with most stuff that you're seeing in the world. Even this Gulf oil, uh, they call it a spill, of course, is just, just too well-timed. Because they will not, I've said this so many times, they, they make their plans and they never falter. Regardless of what happens, they never change. When they make an agenda, they never change it. You can always take it to the bank when they make a mandate. And they want their global taxation through for carbon and energy use and so on. It's all part of the, the new rationing and slave system. And one way or another, they'll get it. And it's how fortunate this happened, isn't it? Just like 9-11 happened the year 2001, that really was the start of the new century. That was the debate. Is it 2000 or 2001? They said it's 2001 is when the century starts. The century of change. Martial law. No privacy. No rights. Bingo. They had it. What luck, isn't it? And then here the, the, the G20 and the G8 meetings are coming up in Canada. And the main topic will be Oh, we can't go on like this. Look at this disaster. We gotta start, you know, cutting back on using fuel and energy and start putting punitive measures on people who do use it. And they will, they will discuss restricting travel use and so on and so on. But regardless, you're going to pay through the nose for every part of the agenda that comes through. Eventually, they said themselves in Agenda 21 for the United Nations, that's Agenda for the 21st Century, there will be no private vehicles in these sustainable communities. That means we're all rushed into the inner city ghettos, folks, because they don't want folk on the rural areas. I read that article, too, from them, for their own sight. This will only be 3% or so on land in 20 years' time or so. And they will be extremely wealthy people. These will be the, the real homes of the, the lackeys, their politicians and so on. But yeah, how fortunate this happened all in time for the G8, G20 to pick up on and run with. And I bet you once they sign something into law, they'll plug the hole as, as fast as can be. Most folk can't imagine that they would do things on such a scale. 
because they're normal people. Remember, we're dealing with psychopathic types at the top. They have no normalities. It's like the Kabbalah. There's no right and wrong. It's, it's who benefits at the end. Someone always benefits, so everything's okay. That's how the psychopath operates. That's how they, they validate what to do to each other as well. When they're not acting for the public. So once again, it hangs around this thing called cognitive dissonance, which makes you uncomfortable at things, very uncomfortable. And we don't like that, so we look for a way out. They supply the way out. It says here, the people have a motivational drive to reduce dissonance by changing their attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors, or by justifying or rationalizing them. You've got to do it to feel better, you see. It says it's one of the most influential and extensively studied theories in social psychology. And getting back to what it causes within you, you can get, um, it causes guilt and anger and so on. So they make you feel guilty about things. So you can also bring it on by using the symptoms first. It brings on the dissonance. That's neuroscience. That's what they say too. If you have certain things will happen to your body in fear when you have a fight or flight syndrome coming on because something's motivating you to save your skin and you'll sweat and your adrenaline pumps through uh, so on and so on. You can also do it by stimulating these areas of the brain of the symptoms and it brings on what would happen for the actual effect itself without the monster in front of you. Just touching, I can only scratch on the surface really in an hour how techniques are used, and even just one technique, really, tonight, and how it's used on you to change your behavior. And it's used in your children, too, as they're programmed for the society which they will grow up in because it's designed already, you see. And they will fit into it with as little discomfort as possible because they also will try and get rid of their cognitive dissonance according to what they remember, how things are, or, or how good they felt about this, now they don't feel good about that anymore, so they want to be this way. They'll take the easy way out as they're nudged along, and they'll adapt along with everyone else who's adapting. And they'll also adapt because of peer pressure. And as they get older, they'll have significant others. The significant other generally is a mate, and that's why... They go for, again, for certain genders who are more easily influenced. They've had more work done on them. In fact, an awful lot more work done on them. And that will then influence them. Significant others is very, very important to make someone else often subservient. And that's what's happened in the world. Because, as I said at the start, you see, they have to eliminate the male out of the picture in order to get what they want. The man has nothing to stand up for then no one will stand up. The only people who stand up are people who are screaming for benefits, things that governments supplied through a socialist system and made them all dependent upon government. And they'll have no memory of what freedom or any other way ever was. They can be trained to be dependent very easily. Unfortunately, it's happened. People run to governments for, for answers to big problems. 
uh, without realizing that generally the government created the problem in the first place. So we're nudged along, as I say, because we don't like pain. We don't like to have uncomfortable feelings. We don't like being uncomfortable ourselves holding two different opinions. And then we all like to belong. And this is used on all of us by masters who have a different agenda, a different goal, and a different destination than you think that you have with all of this. It's all pre-planned. Masters run the world. Masters of all of this run the world. That, again, is what Aldous Huxley was referring to. He knew in his day that this is a system they'd bring in. He also corresponded with George Orwell about the kind of systems it would be in, and Orwell was pretty sure they'd use heavy authority before the final phase, and actually there'd been overlap of the use of the both of them until we're trained very, very well, perfectly, to do simply as we're told. It's not difficult to do because you use social approval, social disapproval, and the mob all those around you can be made to turn on you if you held on to a previous belief idea or try to keep an old way of life. You make them uncomfortable because of your conflicting opinion, the one that conflicts with theirs. From Hamish from myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good nights. I mean, your God or your God's school with you. <laughs>